Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, I want to talk about emotional infidelity and why your kids need you. Now, even if you don't have kids, uh, you, you'll want to tune into this episode because this is one for everyone, as I hope all my episodes are. This topic came up because I read an article, and I, 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 met, I briefly mentioned this in previous in a previous episode, but I really want to do a deep dive into this. I read an article about Sharon Osborne, Ozzy Osborne's wife, and in that article, she shared that she had attempted suicide numerous times as the result of Ozzy's emotional infidelity. So not the physical infidelity, but the emotional infidelity. She had always been aware that he was uh, sleeping with other women and allowed it. They had that agreement. What she didn't agree to was for him to be emotionally involved. So if he was hooking up with you know randoms and groupies, that was fine. As long as he's not having dinner with them, celebrating birthday parties, inviting them to football games, et cetera, et cetera. As long as there's no emotional connection, she was okay. Once she discovered that he was indeed having emotional affairs, there was emotional infidelity, that's when she felt betrayed. That's when she felt hurt. And that's when she then uh, attempted to end her life. And as I read further into the, the article, she also had this thought that, you know, one of her kids is, I think, 13, the other is 19. They may even be older than that. But she was like, I could end my life now because my kids don't need me. They're taken care of. They can take care of themselves now. They're old enough. And so she she was justifying the ending of her life because of the pain that she felt from the emotional infidelity. I want to use this episode to discuss what does emotional infidelity look like? Because it's so important because some of us may be on the path to emotional infidelity and may not realize it. And then some of us may have uh, experienced emotional infidelity um, and didn't know how to respond or cope with it. So we're going to talk about what does it look like, how to cope with it, and how to build uh, beyond that so that we don't end up uh, taking our lives. But we're also going to talk about this idea that our children are old enough to take care of themselves. They're fine now, right? Because I've read that from a, a number of people or parents who have ended their lives and had kids and felt like, well, they, they can take care of them. They know how to make a sandwich. They can put their clothes on. They have, uh, I've, I've left them enough money and they have their, their father or uh, other um, uh, uh, adults who can provide and take care of them and look out for them. So I want to challenge that notion also in case you also are having that thought and that idea. And, and by the way, 
it's uh it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast because I, I heard a woman say to me that she thought about ending a life because she thought the kid would you know be fine without her. She was like, the, the kid will be fine. Doesn't need me around. Um, so I want to I want to address all that, and I know that's a lot to unpack in uh, the time that we have here. But you know, when we look at stats, right? Stats show that up to forty percent of people contemplate suicide when emotional infidelity takes place. So that means that even higher percentage of people contemplate suicide when there's the physical and emotional aspect. But there's something about that emotional aspect that really is painful because now you feel like you really lost the person, like they're abandoning you. Um, that you now you you've been ejected from the life that you've built together, and that maybe also you start to question your perception of reality. Like I thought this person really loved me and cared for me, and I thought that we had a thing that we were building and creating together, and I was really looking to looking forward to our future together. And so for for to find out that now you're giving your emotions, your resources, yourself to someone else, that makes me feel like I don't, um, I'm not able to read or perceive when someone is being truthful with me. And so how can I ever, because now it becomes like, how can I ever trust myself? And, and that's what's scary, right? When you get to that place where you're like, can I even trust myself? It's almost like when I had knee surgery, I tore my meniscus in my right knee. And after surgery, I'm like, can I trust my right knee to run, to hike, to move laterally? That's scary, not knowing what the range is, how strong is it, how stable it is, right? But that's where rehab and, and all those things come into place. And, and I really think that's more for another episode in terms of rupturing the repair. But I think I, maybe I have done an episode on that before. But anyway. Um, what are the stages of an emotional affair? Let, let's talk about the, the signs, I should say, of an emotional affair. Because the first sign is that it's just an intimate, it's just an innocent friendship. And I think that's what makes it so insidious is that you go, no, we're just friends. Yeah, we just, we just talk. We're just friends. We're cool, right? And so because of that's the first step, you don't even know that you're you're on the way to an emotional uh, affair, and then there comes like the secrecy, where you're keeping things away from your partner. You're not sharing uh, who you're texting or what you're saying or where you're going. Maybe you know, like you're, there's there's all these secrets now. These things that um, you would have openly have shared with your partner, and now you're you're kind of keeping it to yourself. And, and remember. There's a difference between secrecy and privacy. Privacy is, hey, I need some time to myself. Like, I'm an introvert. I require privacy. But secrecy is like, I'm, uh, I'm keeping something away from you because I feel guilty about what I'm doing. And I fear the repercussions, right? So that's secrecy, right? Think of like uh, FBI, agent spies, like secrecy. And then there's uh, flirting, right? So you, you, you had an innocent friendship, and then all of a sudden you start to keep, you're keeping secrets, and now you're flirting, right? Uh, now now the, the, the texts are, 
you know, LOL, winky face, hugs. Now you're 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 sending the uh, emoji with the with the kiss, uh, little hearts and things like that. Uh, touching. There's more touching involved um, when when you see them. So so now now we're in a flirting stage. It's starting to compliment not just her clothes but her body or or his clothes and body. So then we get into that flirting, and then now you're thinking about them, right? Um, even when you're with your partner. And then there's that change in behavior where maybe now you're starting to wear uh, a, a different cologne, different clothes. Uh, you're listening to different music. That that person is now starting to influence you. Maybe, you you know, if you're, if you're like me, I could wear the same thing every day. But, but, but you know, if you are having an emotional affair, all of a sudden, like, you're wearing something different every day. Maybe brighter colors, darker colors, more expensive clothes, right? Um, so there's a change, and you're working later, working earlier. You're working out more, working out less. Like, there's a change in your behavior. And then all... And then that last stage is where you really start to prioritize the quote-unquote friendship, where you're spending more time with this other person. You're spending more time with them physically. You're spending more time with them on the phone. You're spending resources more. Now you're starting to allocate resources or pull resources from the relationship into this quote-unquote friendship. Uh, that you have with this other person. So if you find yourself anywhere on that scale, you may be sliding into that emotional infidelity realm. And, you know, it's it's not, and this is not to shame you or to uh, nothing to be embarrassed about because oftentimes what happens is in our relationship, if we've been with somebody for a period of time, the relationship can sometimes go stale, right? Where you're more friends than lovers or you're, you're more like uh, roommates or pals than uh, intimate partners. And, and you know, Esther Perel, a, a therapist, she talks about how when we do things together, like novel things together, that builds friendship. However, when we do novel and risky things together and unfamiliar things together, that builds intimacy and passion. So, for example, if you and your partner are spending a lot of time, um, you know, maybe having breakfast, lunch, dinner together, you know, you, you eat meals together, maybe have uh, you watch Netflix and chill, uh, you have card games that's all friendly. There's no risk involved. There's, there's, there are no stakes uh, to be had. It's all familiar, right? But if you two decide to go kayaking and you've never been kayaking before, oh, now we have a little risk and a, a little adventure, and it's shared between us. If we, you know, having a baby together, that's that's a shared and, and risky um in uh, in novel experience, uh, building a, uh, building a home together, Do, so doing projects together, activities, events, excursions that are both novel and risky for both of you, so that 
you can see each other in a different light so that you can uh, find out uh, the other layers uh, of this person that you're with and how they've actually changed in the time that you've been together and the changes that they're undergoing and the, and the challenges that they had. Because oftentimes what we find is when we go through a shared challenge, a shared uh, exciting, adventurous experience and, and that's novel to both of us, we find ourselves opening up more, being more vulnerable. It, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, if you go on this really treacherous hike you've never been on, uh, there's there's a point where when you stop and take a rest, you, you really start to expand and open up about what your fears are, your struggles, your your likes, your your joys, your delights. All these different emotional layers start to unravel because uh, we've really gotten it out of the out of our mind and into our body. That's why movement is so important. I think this is why it's so valuable for for couples to go on walks together, um, because it's really when we're moving together, doing things together in a very active way that um, encourages us to be more emotionally uh, vulnerable, right? So how do we, if there's been emotional infidelity, how do we address it, right? One, obviously communication. Now, what we don't want to do is uh, to blame the other person or blame ourselves. It's really about sharing what what was the experience like for both of us and then how do we want to move forward like what did what did the infidelity mean to you what does it mean to me and how do we want to co-create our future uh beyond this because the 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 infidelity doesn't start the emotional infidelity doesn't start with the emotional infidelity there's a backstory to it, right? Where maybe, um, you know, your partner hasn't been uh, physically available to you or emotionally available to you. It's like, I've tried to open up to you, but you're always on your phone. I've tried to talk to you, but you're always working. Um, I've, I've shared my emotional challenges and you've dismissed them or glossed over them, or you even got competitive where I was sharing something with you, and then you use that as an opportunity to open up about what you're going through instead of being more curious about what I'm going through. So when we talk about emotional infidelity or any type of infidelity, it, it doesn't the, the communication doesn't just start from there and forward. It's like, what was happening before that, right? Because your relationship did not start with emotional infidelity. There was something that happened during the course of the relationship where all of a sudden uh, you or the other person is seeking out the friendship of this person and then it escalated into uh, emotional infidelity and, and, and keeping secrets and, and the flirtation and, and all those things. So to have that open dialogue. And now if you're like, I've tried that, it's tough, I don't know how to, you, that's where you may need to bring in a therapist or even a coach, you know, it's not about, not everybody um, thrives in therapy. 
sometimes therapy doesn't work for everyone. The, the, the structure, the template, uh, the formality. Um, sometimes you might have to bring in a priest or um, a coach or your barber. It's like just having someone that you both trust to help you navigate and open up with your um, with your struggles. It could be a best friend, but have someone that you can uh, that you both feel like you can go to, or or encourage your partner to go talk to you know someone else if they don't feel comfortable talking to a, a therapist, right? Um, you know, uh, for me, for some people, it might be their neighbor. They they might have a a neighbor like an old. It might be a, your neighbor might be this old wise man or something that you go talk. It might be a barista. It, it, hopefully, it's not the bartender, <laughs> but communication and discovering a way to open up. You know, and a way to another way to do this, if it feels too confrontational or too intense, to talk about the issues specifically not just the emotional infidelity but the other issues that you two are having this is where art comes into play movies music books where maybe instead of talking about each other uh and your issues to talk about the a movie or a book where the storyline is similar or where a character's challenges or struggles are the same so you can you know, for example, you can say, you know, remember that scene in such and such where X, Y, and Z happened, and then she said this? Well, that's kind of how I felt, or that's kind of what I was going through, right? So you can use characters from a book, from a movie. You can use athletes. You know, uh, that's what's great about all these uh, magazines and interviews and, and YouTube videos is that they're all, you know, more and more uh, celebrities are being really vulnerable about what they're going through. And so, you know, to say, hey, you know how Sharon Osbourne said X, Y, and Z and felt like this? That's kind of how I felt. So there are these gentler ways for us to open up a communication. Or you could be like, hey, you know that lyric when he goes like blah, 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 blah? That's how I felt. And, um, and I was wondering if we could explore that more together, right? So communication isn't like you did this, I did this, you know, how are you going to fix this? There's so many creative ways that we can uh, get into this. And then we can also obviously seek support. And, and this goes back to family, friends, you know, um, uh, neighbors, like talking to people. I give you a, a, a great example here of seeking support. In a previous episode, I talked about how I went into a bookstore and the clerk at the bookstore shared with me that her best friend's husband keeps a photo of his ex-wife who was dead in the bedroom and how much that bothers her. The ex-wife has been dead for 17 years and, um, and, and she's just like, she's been trying to get her husband to get rid of this photo. Well, it turns out that her friend was really her, and, and she just didn't want to say she was going through it. But anyway, when I told her, because she sought support from me, right, because uh, we've kind of built that rapport, I told her that what your husband is going through um, is, is a mix of guilt and shame, a guilt of he felt like he could have done more, he didn't do enough, 
and a shame of it should have been him. He should be the one dead because he was an alcoholic, a drunk, and he was a bad guy and a jerk and, and a monster and, and all those things. So the guilt and shame, and, um, and so that's what needs to be addressed. So when, once I shared that with her, yesterday she then shared that, hey, you know what you really said uh, resonated, connected. So instead of trying to get my husband to get rid of that one photo, I'm going to actually take more photos of us and surround that photo with photos of us or you know, put more photos of us around the house. And I was like, that's a brilliant idea. So, you know, that way he keep he gets to keep the photo of his wife, but he also gets to see that he's he's not the same person. He's building a new life and he has someone else that he he has an opportunity to have a second chance at being a a, a good person, a worthy person, a person who is uh doing enough, a person who loves him as he is and a reminder that he doesn't have to do more. Because he has he has a new person, and uh, and he has a new life that that, that he can love and um, and to re- a reminder to be grateful for what he has um, instead of being stuck in what he's lost. So th- you know this point of reach out to friends, seek support from uh, you know customers and and uh, your cashier. You know there there are all these people around us that we um, we don't respect or their opinion because they don't have a degree or training but knowledge is everywhere i truly believe that right and then the other way to to cope with emotional infidelity is to reflect on ourselves take to take ownership and responsibility for how we may have contributed to the emotional infidelity right because it's it's liberating it is completely liberating to 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 sit back and say, "Hey, what was my piece in this? Did I not was I not present enough? Did I not um, validate their emotions? Did we not have an, Did I not plan enough activities for us? Did um, you know was I prioritizing my work or my other friends or what have you?" Uh, or was I, uh, you know, self-absorbed in my addictions? Like, what, where, what are areas in which I can grow, or be present for the relationship? How, you know, what's my part in contributing to this? Uh, was I not feeling sexy, you know, uh, and uh, you know, I had my own things in terms of physical connection? Maybe I wasn't as uh, physical as I could be in the relationship. So. Whatever that is, it's a time to reflect on what your side of the street was, how you played a part in this, right? Or how you can um, show up more for the relationship. And then, you know, lastly, establish boundaries, right? Now that you, you're co-creating a new future together, establish what the boundaries are. The, the, the boundaries of trust and and know that the boundaries can change over time. It's like, what are the boundaries that you need for right now for these three weeks or three months or three years? What are those boundaries that need to be in place for right now so that you can feel safe, secure, and supported? 
and 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 it's important to establish boundaries and not uh, uh, create something that is punishing for the other person because then they're going to resent you and now we're we're creating more problems than solving them right so we want to make sure that we're moving forward with compassion with love and understanding so that we don't end up punishing and then creating a whole whole a whole host of other issues and problems further down the road right and um and lastly i want to you know address this idea that uh, some parents have of, you know what, my children can take care of themselves. They don't need me. I can, you know, I can check out right now. And it, it's, it's like I have my mom, my dad passed away uh, over 10 years ago, and my mom's around, and I cherish, I cherish our conversations. And, and, and not in a, like, I need her help for things or just to know that she's there. I just cherish knowing that, if there's someone I want to talk to, I can talk to. Like she's she's my emotional support. She doesn't always say the things that I, I need her to say or want her to say or in the way that um, <laughs> that I would say it. However, um, we get close enough. And I just love knowing and feeling like I can say whatever I need to say to her. Because there's not a lot of people in, in this world that you feel like you can be your full self around or share your full emotional experience with. So to know that I have a mom that I can, I can be that with is, is wonderful. Yes. And I have, you know, I have a therapist and um, you know, I have a group and all those things, but no one, no one knows you like your parents, right. Or your, or your siblings. So it's, it's a beautiful that I have three siblings. I have a mom, but like emotional support, you know, to help me, through my life's challenges, help me build resilience. That just that I have that that home base, and then also like my mom for me is like my guidance and, and a role model. You know, my mom is seventy two; she just turned seventy two, and she still has this zest for life, where uh, she likes to walk everywhere, meet new people, experience new things. She looks at life and nature as if for the first time every day, and she's um, she's very aware of what's happening in the world. Like she's always using like lingo and like she's like, oh, he got that riz. Like she's using language that middle school kids use. She she's aware of what's happening in the streets, in the in the boardrooms, in the world. So I I admire and love my mom for that. And you know, and those are the things that I want to continue to model is. There's just that being aware and that that zest uh, for life. And then also, you know, my mom being around is like a sense of security and stability for me. You know, and I understand that some of you listeners have lost your parents. But, uh, you know, right now I'm speaking to any any parent who thinks that their kids uh, can just take care of themselves or they'd be better off without them. is like my mom is um, a source of security and, and stability in, in a world where so much is changing, it's like, I, I know what my mom's going to say about X, Y, and Z. Every now and again, she surprises me, but, um, just, you know, she's also my link to other family members, right? She, she keeps me in the know as to, you know, what's going with this person and that person. And 
And so in that way, she's a, a, a security and a, and a stable presence in my life. And then also the, the educational uh, support that my mom has for me in terms of, like I said, she stays abreast on what's happening in the world. So she's always sending me news links and information. And did you hear what happened about this? And, and we can talk about worldly things and also personal things. So I'm constantly still learning about myself, about my mom, about our history, about uh, our culture, all these, you know, about about her experiences uh, and her perspectives uh, on the world as it's changing. Um, so that most that educational uh, support that I get from her, and then just obviously the connecting and bonding. I, you know, there are times where when I'm cooking, I'll call my mom and put her on Facetime, and you know, she'll just be hanging out. And, you know, sometimes we're talking, sometimes we're not. She's just watching me cook, and then she'll be like, hey, why don't you, you know, you need a bit more salt in that, or you should, you know, cut it this way or, or whatever. But um, that connection and that bonding, those are things that are so valuable and, and important. And uh, I just feel like she's a space where I don't have to feel performative. Um, I, can, I can just be me. Uh, in my in my at ninety five percent self, but um, yeah, it, it, you know, so that to have that person, and you know, if you don't have that person, it, once again, that's where therapy, uh, a therapist can be, a coach, um, building that community network of people, whether it's a book, a group, or a book club, or what have you, but creating that for yourself, you know, because um, we need our parents. Um, so I hope that this episode w- was illuminating for you in terms of emotional infidelity and the, and the fact that it is, we can, we can, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an event and it can be traumatic. Uh, it can feel like the end of the world, but we can move past it as Sharon Osbourne is still alive and, and still working to uh, repair the relationship she has with Ozzy Osbourne. Um, so she's doing it. She's working on it. It's a work in progress. The, the, nothing will ever be perfect. Life is filled with challenges and surprises, some of them pleasant, some of them unpleasant. Um, but together, together and with understanding and, uh, and if we're willing to be vulnerable and seek help, and support, we can we can move forward. We can move forward uh, and 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 find a way to to cope through it. So, thank you for tuning into another episode. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the nine eight eight number or any of the other eight hundred numbers. Uh, you can chat, talk, text. You can or you can go to Thrive with Leo. For one-on-one coaching with myself, yours truly, let's get to tomorrow together.